so happy to be here with you. It is always an honor. I never take it for granted. Man, we got a packed house today. I'm glad you guys reserved your seats and got here. And uh, we've been on this series called Revive Me. I gave a little bit of an introduction and so on. And we talked about revivals and things like that. And I want to go straight into the word. But I want to start out with the story. In the 1940s, there was a bunch of students in UK and they were taking theology class. The professor, his name was Professor Orr, O-R-R. He thought, let me take all my theology students on a field trip. And I want to show them all the significant places in UK that had to do with revival and, and uh, significant moments in Christian history. And so they went to this place called Epworth Rectory. And that's one of the homes of the, one of the greatest reformers of the church. His name was John Wesley. If you've heard of John Wesley, you would know that he was an amazing man of God and a revivalist in the 1700s. And so they went to the place where he lived and taught and preached. Through John Wesley, UK was shaken. And then later on, revival came into the, the rest of the world where we are. It wasn't just him, but there was other people as well. Through prayer, they brought the revival that we saw in the 1900s. Multitude came to Jesus. It was like open heaven experiences. That was all because people like John Wesley prayed and revival broke out. People like John Wesley, they don't just talk about it or just do a cute, cute prayer. But they spent hours on their knees praying that God would move. So this bunch of students went on this field trip to John Wesley's house. So the professor gave them a tour of the kitchen, office. And then upstairs was John Wesley's bedroom. Tiny little bedroom, tiny little bed. So they followed up and they were taking a look. And then one of the students noticed that there was a spot on the carpet that was indented, worn out. And they're like, Professor, what is this little spot here? So the professor explained that that spot was exactly the spot where John Wesley would kneel down on the side of his bed and pray for hours. He would pray for hours for revival to break out. And he would be there crying out to God. And so all the students, they were done with the tour. And now... Walk back to the bus, but one student was missing. The professor goes back to the kitchen, not there. Goes back to the office to find the student, not there. Goes back to the bedroom, and there's this student, and he could only see his head and his shoulders. He's kneeling down in that same spot where John Wesley, almost 200 years ago, knelt down and prayed. And so this professor tells the student, come on, we got to go. It's time to get on the bus. And the professor could hear, just before he said that, he could hear the student praying saying, do it again, Lord. Lord, would you do it again with me? And then the professor said, let's go. So when the professor said that, rising up from kneeling down, Billy Graham went on to the bus and went home. Have you heard of Billy Graham? He did a few things. Just Google him. 
but before he was anything, before he was a revivalist or an evangelist or preacher, he was kneeling down and crying out to God, Lord, what you did through John Wesley, would you do it again? And would you do it again with me? Church, I don't know about you, but my heart's cry is, God, if you would do something in this season, in this moment, would you do it again with me? Would you do it again with Next Level Church? We are looking for God to do something in the world. God is like, I want to do something in you and through you. Because God's presence is not just omnipresence, which means He's with you all the time. He, he promised to be with you, never to leave you, never, never to forsake you. But His manifest presence is what God is inviting us into. And that's what brings revival. And if you know about Billy Graham, you know that God did it again. I'm wondering if there will be some brave, brave people in our church this week that we would cry to God, Lord, do it again. Lord, I don't want to just live this life as an ordinary Christian. I don't want to just know about the love and the, and the saving grace of Jesus and just live day-to-day -day ordinary lives. I want to I be a Christian who's set on fire. I want to be a Christian who's sold out to Christ. I don't just want to be a Christian by name. God, move me to action. Lord, use me. Lord, make a difference through me. Help me to swim against the tide. Lord, the pressure is high. But I want to swim against the tide. Lord, set me apart. Lord, break me. And mold me and fill me with your Holy Spirit. Lord, would you do it again? Would you let it start with me? And that's what God's invitation to us today is. Not just to hear head knowledge and learn something and then go and just continue with our daily lives the way it is. And yes, there's doubts, there's pain, there's, there's challenges that we face in life. But beyond that, God has divine appointments for you. God wants you to walk and move and live and breathe revival. But it first has to start with you personally. Jesus sent Jesus came to this world and He died for our sins not for, that, for us not to live ordinary lives. Jesus is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And there's no other way to the Father except through Him. So Lord, would you do it again? Come on church, would you say it with me? Lord, do it again. Do it again with me. Start that revival in me, God. Because God wants to move not just in omnipresence in your life, but in manifest presence. Today's message is called, Lord, do it again. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, that you have called us, that you have anointed us, you have given us purpose for such a time as this. Our hearts cry today, God, is would you do it again? We want a mighty move of God, not just feelings and emotion and, and sound, but true life transformation. We want you to move in, in and through our lives. So Holy Spirit, we welcome your presence here. Have your way. Lord, speak to each and everyone that is here. Only you know what they're going through. Only you know what their calling is. Have your way, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're talking about revival. What is revival? 
Revival is an outpouring of the presence of God. And when you're walking in revival, you just have to look at the way God led you. Every step of the way, the people that God placed in your life, the situations, the moments that happened, you can clearly see that the Holy Spirit was leading, putting the right people at the right time to take you where you need to go. Can you tell your neighbor, God has more for you? God has more for you. God is omnipresent, but manifest presence is different. Point number one, desire to move from omnipresence to His manifest presence. Desire to move from omnipresence to His manifest presence. When we talk about revival, it's a revealing of God. It's a revelation of God. And the enemy is always trying hard to stop the revelation of God. And that's what we saw in the Garden of Eden as well. It was a perfect place. It was beautiful. But the enemy came to stop the revelation of God. And from that moment on, sin entered the DNA of every human. But I'm wondering how much we want this revival. How much do we want God to reveal Himself in our lives? Or are we satisfied just living the way we are? Because all of history, we see that God desires to reveal Himself. Even in the Old Testament, when you see it seemed hopeless that this beautiful picture of Garden of Eden is now messed up with sin, even then we see how God reveals Himself. He reveals Himself to people that didn't even call on Him. He's revealing Himself to people that didn't even pray for Him to be revealed. And we see that through the, throughout the generations in the Old Testament from Enosh to Noah to Abram, God reveals Himself and restores His people. And to the point that God makes a covenant with people that even if the people mess up, He will still keep His covenant. What a merciful and gracious God that we have. That no matter what the enemy tried, God kept revealing Himself. We see in the Israelites, 400 years they were captives. And God picks a, a stuttering guy M -m -m Moses, this mighty man Moses who can't even talk to, to go and face Pharaoh. And Moses has failures too. But God's, God uses this weak man to deliver the Israelites. So you think now it's going to be all roses and, and, and daisies. They go on a 40-year journey on an 11-day travel. 11-day is the journey, but they go on a 40-year travel. You get what I'm saying. And then it's not easy. They are faced with enemies. The enemy is tempting them. The enemy is seducing them even when they arrive to their destination, the promised land. The enemy is trying to get them into idol worship. The last line of the book of Judges, it says, everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes. Isn't that what's happening in our city right now? Everyone is doing what was right in their own eyes. But God didn't give up. He kept revealing himself. He kept on speaking. And we see Ruth who gave birth to Obed, who birthed Jesse, who birthed King David, through whom it was prophesied that our Savior Jesus would be born. So God doesn't give up. He doesn't stop. He's trying through all of these stories and events to reveal himself. And then when Jesus was born, that was the revelation of God that the enemy could not stop. 
Jesus shows up on the scene after 400 years of silence between the Old Testament and the New Testament. So we see that the, the great sin of the Old Testament is that they didn't believe in God the Father. The great sin of the New Testament is that they didn't believe in Jesus the Son. And the great sin of our generation is that we really don't believe in the Holy Spirit. We get, we get spiritually high, we go to a meeting or a conference or whatever, and then we're like, yeah. And then the next day, we face the battle, we face discouragement, and we're like, where's God? I want to highlight John 1.14 from the message translation. It goes like this. The Word became flesh and blood and moved into our neighborhood. I love it. We saw the glory with our own eyes. The one-of-a-kind glory, like Father, like Son. Generous inside and out. True from start to finish. Check this. We saw it with our own eyes eyes. It's not just something that we read about history of God moving, doing, but we saw it with our own eyes. Man, I'm longing to see the move of God in my generation. We saw it up close and personal, tangible experience. To see Him, to hear Him, to see Jesus heal and prophesy and tell people to repent because the kingdom of God is here. We've got to see Him for ourselves. People come and say, you know, the CN Tower is so, is the best. I'm like, no, Eiffel Tower is. I've seen it, right, Michelle? Yeah. Eiffel Tower is standing there with no foundation, but it's there. And it's beautiful. It's not just some concrete pole. Sorry, I don't mean to disrespect. I love Canada, but I prefer the Eiffel Tower. You got to see it for yourself. You got to see Him for yourself. You got to experience God for yourself. You cannot live on your parents' faith. You got to see Him for yourself. So we see here the Word became human and made His home among us, among you, among me. That's revival. Jesus came and made Himself accessible. When we look at the woman with the issue of blood, she desired, she knew that if she could just touch the hem of his garment, that she would be never the same again. I'm wondering how many of us are longing for that. Lord, I just want that touch from you. I just don't want to go through the motions. I want a radical encounter with you. If I could just touch that hem of your garment. John 11, 54. John eleven fifty four. 54, it says, Jesus no longer moved about publicly among the people. He went away. And, and when, I, when I read that, I was a little troubled by this verse. So Jesus was there, but now he's no longer public? Like, what's that about? Like, he was around, but he went off to the side. Instead of walking publicly among the people. Are we living our lives with Jesus, but He's off to the side? Are we living in a time where Jesus is no, is no longer walking publicly among us? He's present, but He's not public. Is it because Christians have gotten so private, Christians have gotten so quiet, that we're not walking in the manifest presence of God. We know God is good, that He does miracles, that He is omniscient and omnipotent and, uh, and all, all of that. 
do we see it manifested? Do we see him manifested in our lives? Or have we pushed Jesus to the side? The Jesus that people are supposed to see in us. People are looking, but are they finding Jesus? He is present. He's here, but he's just not public. So I'm wondering, what is it that keeps us from being in that revelation? What is it that keeps us or keeps Jesus from bringing that revival into our lives? Verse 55 in John 11. Verse 55, it says, They kept looking for Jesus, but as they stood around in the temple, they said to each other, What do you think? Won't he come for Passover? Will he come? Like they're standing in the temple... And they're like, do you think Jesus is going to come to the temple? Like, do you think he's going to show up? They're in the temple. If you're going to find Jesus anywhere, it should be in the temple. But he's not there. I'm wondering if we show up to church and Jesus is like, I'm just going to stay off to the side. Is Jesus the center of our lives? Is Jesus the center of our church? It's a wake-up call. When people come to church or when people have an encounter with us they they have good experience you know even in the church you know we, we we love to put we have we don't do it right now but like we would normally have a led lights and fog machine i make sure the fog machine is to the max before they start singing otherwise the fog goes in their mouth and then they start coughing i'm like sorry but we had to look good or or, or we love the music we love seeing each other and we people find everything except the one who will actually change their lives. There are coming, there are people coming to our church and they are looking for Jesus. They might not be able to articulate to you how hungry they are for the true God. They've tried everything. And some of us have grown up in church or we're so used to the presence of God that we take God for granted. And we don't realize that the encounters we've had is for us to set the stage for others to also encounter God. But the people that are coming into our lives and into our church, there's a void in their hearts. And that void can only be filled by Jesus. And they're coming in hungry. They're looking for the presence of God. It's in the presence of God that they can find that satisfaction. But sometimes we focus more on the production than on the presence. People don't need to see how great you are. People don't need to see how great I am. They need to see Jesus in our lives. They need to see Jesus in our church. When they leave the church or leave a conversation after speaking to you, they should say, there's something different about you. When you go to work, they should be like, wow, the, the atmosphere should change because you carry Jesus. You are walking with him and he's in you and he wants to move through you. Jesus is the only Savior. He's the only one who can change lives. He's the only one who can deliver people. He's the only one who can give victory and break chains. The trajectory of our life has completely been changed. You know why? Because my grandma had an encounter with Jesus. Jesus stepped in and saved my grandma back in a little village called Iruvale. She had a radical encounter with Jesus and that changed the trajectory of our lives saved my family, saved me. So I stand here, not, not as a member or a pastor of this church, but because Jesus is real. And He revealed Himself to me. He saved my soul. 
because of His grace and mercy and loving kindness, I cannot hold that back just for myself. I cannot be selfish. The best thing that you can do for somebody else is to plant the seed or, or share the love of Jesus with them. I felt the tangible presence of God, especially on my 16th birthday and, and there onwards. But that was the turning point for me. And I, I'm never the same. His presence changed my life. Point number two, create margin for Jesus to move freely in your life. Create margin for Jesus to move freely in your life. Jesus doesn't want to be a secret to, to you. He wants to be public. People were looking in this passage that we were reading just a moment ago. People were looking for Jesus and they couldn't find him. Why wasn't he there? If you read John chapter 11 a little bit earlier, there's a, an amazing miracle that took place. Some believed, some criticized. Especially when you talk about Jesus, people can get skeptical. And that's okay. A.W. Tozer, he said, when God moves outside of the box, out, outside of our comfort zone, we can respond in two ways. We can, the unbelieving person can squat down to their knees to get a better look so they can criticize what God is doing. But the believing person also drops down to their knees, but they will do so only to thank God. So what is your focus? The Sadducees and the Pharisees and the religious leaders, they got upset because Jesus was doing things outside of the box. They wanted to stop Jesus. Otherwise, Jesus is going to ruin our plans. I wonder how many of us are like that. I'm just going to keep Jesus on the side of my, in a side room in my house. Otherwise, he's going to ruin my plans. So in John chapter 11, 53. The Sadducees and the Pharisees, the religious leaders, John eleven fifty three. they decided to plot to kill Jesus. They wanted to do whatever they could to stop the work of God. Verse 54, as a result of their decision, Jesus stopped his public ministry among the people. That's crazy. People's response shut down the move of God. Is there any part of your life that you're silencing the move of God? Is there any part of your life that you're reducing the move of God? You've heard the voice of God. You've heard the Holy Spirit convict you. And you're saying, and the Holy Spirit is saying, apologize to that person. Or go there. Or don't go there. Go here. Do this. Give. Call. You hear the voice of God, but you just keep ignoring it. You keep just walking away from it. You keep going in the opposite direction, doing everything that you can to silence the voice and the work of God in your life. See, when we decide to, to give into our selfish ways, when we choose to reduce His work in our lives, the Bible says, Jesus' response is to no longer walk publicly among you. That's scary. He's present. But you're not going to see His manifest presence. You're not going to see Him publicly. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. He will love you more than your mama does. 
but his manifest presence won't be there. He wants to live in you and through you, and he wants you to experience him, not just secretly, but outside of you. In the way that you think, in the choices that you make, in the decisions that you make, and the path that you choose for your life. God doesn't just want to move in you, but through you publicly. I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't just want His omnipresence. I want His manifest presence. So we have to be careful about not silencing what God is speaking in our lives. About silencing the moves of God in our lives. Any areas of our lives we silence God, we will see that He no longer walks publicly among us. So Jesus no longer walked publicly among them. John 16, 7. I got one more point before we wrap up. John 16, 7. Jesus went up to heaven and he said, It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Another helper. An equal substitute. Another of the same kind. See, when Jesus was taken up to heaven, he didn't give us a dupe, uh, something less of a... But, but, but the same, this, no lesser version He gave us. But everything that He is, with all the authority and greatness of God, is now in the person of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says, I am leaving the Holy Spirit for you. In 2021, you have access to the Holy Spirit. Everything that Jesus has, Holy Spirit has. Holy Spirit is not some third class person. Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity because He was mentioned about in the Bible later but he's equal in value and power just as God wanted to reveal himself in the Old Testament just as Jesus wanted to reveal himself in the New Testament you now have every right and every privilege as a son as a daughter to be filled by the Holy Spirit to experience the full presence that God has for you through the person of the Holy Spirit and some people say Holy Ghost. And I know kids that got freaked out because the Holy Ghost. He's not cast with a friendly ghost. Some people refer to the Holy Spirit as wind, earth, wind, and fire. No, that's a band. The, don't, uh, the wind, fire, dove. Those are wonderful sim symbolic things. That's good. But that is not who Holy Spirit is. He's the third person and he's equally powerful. So that's why when we give our hearts to Jesus, we can also welcome the Holy Spirit into our hearts to, to fill us. So that means God's goodness and greatness and authority now lives inside of us. God doesn't just want you to just exist, but He wants you to be empowered. Amen? He wants you to have His manifest presence. That's why He gives you the fruit of the Spirit. When, when you run out of patience, guess what? Holy Spirit can give you the fruit of the Spirit. So you're not snapping at the people that used to make you mad. Whatever you have in your natural capacity, Holy Spirit helps you to go beyond that. It means when you don't have self-discipline, the Holy Spirit, the fruit of God's Spirit, can help you restrain yourself. Not only... Does He give you the fruit of the Spirit, but He also gives you the gifts of the Spirit. 
so you can edify and uplift and encourage and, and, and operate publicly in a way that edifies the body of Christ to, to build them up, to stir them up. It's called the manifest presence of God. So Jesus has made a way for us and Holy Spirit makes it so that God is not just in us, but He is on us. When we walk into a room, people should realize there's something different about you. The way that you speak, the way that you love, the way that you serve, there's something different about you. Because we're not operating on our own strength anymore. It's not our own might, but it's the Spirit of God who's operating in and on our life. That's called favor. The favor of God is God's presence on your life. The favor of God is the, the doors that no man can shut because God opened it for you. Favor is what puts you in positions that you don't qualify for. Favor is what enables you to do things beyond your capacity. God has chosen you. God has called you. He's appointed you. He's anointed you. He has positioned you. He has prepared you. If you have the Holy Spirit of God, you have favor in and on your life. People can sense the presence of God because you have peace that surpasses all understanding. Yes, we've gone through a huge heartbreak and, and, and so many questions and things like that. But we can have that peace that surpasses all understanding. See, God doesn't promise us to give us understanding. But He promises to give us peace that surpasses all understanding. So people are wondering, how come you haven't lost your mind? Because they know the kind of pain you're going through. It's only because of the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. There's one thing that invites the presence of God on you like that. And that's called holiness. Point number three, my last point. Decide to walk in holiness. Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with perseverance. With what? Perseverance. The race marked out for us. So the first thing we see here is that we are to throw off anything that keeps us away from Christ's likeness. Especially the sin because it trips us up and keeps us in bondage. And the second thing is we are to persevere patiently endure all things and grow in maturity and in faith. In the book of James chapter 1 verse 2 and 3, it reminds us that trials serve to strengthen our faith and brings us to maturity. And in Hebrews, we just read that a great cloud of witnesses. Those are the people that have gone before us. And we got to find strength knowing that they're cheering us on. That the same good fight that they fought that they want us to keep going, not give up. And this great cloud of witnesses in heaven, they're cheering us on. As I wrap up, God is calling us to be set apart. God is calling us to be consistent everywhere. At church, at home, at work, with our kids, with our families, with our friends. He's calling us to be consistent in our character. To be consistent with our walk with Christ. God is inviting us to align ourselves to Him. And as you're coming closer to Jesus, He's going to pour something in your life. He's going to give you direction. 
He's going to guide you. But are you willing to come into alignment? Are you willing to make some adjustments for Jesus? So that God can do it again. So that God can do it through you. So that not just your family, not just your church, not just your city, but God can shake a nation, move a nation through you. That God can do it again through you. God is calling us to walk in His presence every day. And anticipating, not dreading when you wake up in the morning like, oh, another day. But no, you wake up with anticipation that God is going to do something, that the Lord is going to move in your life. You wake up with expectation that I'm going to see the move of God in my life today. Today, He is going to do something more than I can ask, more than I can imagine. And so I want to ask you right now, as we bow our heads, Is there anything that you're allowing in your life that is silencing, that is reducing, that is ignoring the voice of God in your life? I want you to examine your heart. It could be our own arrogance, our own pride, our own sin, our disobedience. And if you would say today, I'm, I'm not able to feel that manifest presence of God. And if you would say today, I want to change. If that's you, I want to pray. And then after that, I'm going to give you an invitation to welcome Jesus into your heart. Worship team, you can come up. I'm going to put my hand on my heart and I invite you to do that as well. And say, Lord, we repent. God, we repent. God, we messed up. God, we're sinful. Please forgive us. God, we want your manifest presence. Lord, let us not be satisfied just having your omnipresence, knowing that you're with us all the time. But we want you to manifest your presence in every area of our lives, every day. Not just having goosebumps and, 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 and happy feelings at church, but Lord, let us walk with purpose. And let us walk with holy frustration. That means we are zoned in. We're in it for life. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to give Him my all until my time is done. Yeah, God. Lord, every hand, every person with their hand on their heart, Lord, I just lift them up to You, including myself. God, let us not allow anything that reduces your voice in our lives. Your move in our lives. We humbly repent and give ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Right now, every eye closed. If you're far away from God, if you've never made a decision for Jesus or you walked away from God, today is the day to come home. Bible says that today is the day of salvation. That means today is the day that if you haven't given your soul to Jesus, today is the day to do that. Because tomorrow is not guaranteed. This evening is not guaranteed. This lunchtime is not guaranteed. And because God loves you so much that He gave His one and only Son so that you don't perish and go to hell, but that you can be forgiven. So that you can receive His peace that surpasses all understanding. 
so that you can receive eternal life. That invitation is for you. If you've been putting off God for a long time, today's the day. And even those watching online, this invitation is for everybody. On the count of three, I want you to put your hand up. Nobody's looking, but I need to know who I'm praying for. Today's the day of salvation. Jesus is calling you home. You cannot do this life on your own. He's given you the Holy Spirit. And if you would welcome Jesus into your heart, He also gives you His power, the Holy Spirit, to be in you and move through you. And Romans 12 says, today's the day of salvation. If you would confess with, with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, that Father God raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. This is the moment. One, two, three. Shoot your hand up. And I want to pray. Yes. Let's stand together and let's pray together right now. Lord Jesus, I welcome you into my heart. I believe you are God. That you died for my sins. God, wash me by your precious blood. Lord, deliver me from all the foolishness that I'm doing. I am yours. Set me apart. Revive my heart. Let me get on fire for you, God. Lord, I want to be empowered. Holy Spirit, lead me. Guide me. I am yours. I will never be the same again. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Let's give a clap to Jesus and let's worship God together. Oh, shadow, you won't light up. Mountain, you won't climb up. Coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, God you won't tear down, coming after me. Let's all sing. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me there's no shadow you won't light up mountain you won't climb up coming after me there's no wall you won't kick down lie you won't tear down coming after me there's no shadow you won't light up Mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99, and I didn't earn it, and I don't deserve it, still you give your love to me. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. There's no shadow you won't. 
coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. There's no shadow, there's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. Do we believe that this morning? His love is reckless. And the love that he shows to us, that's the same love that Pastor Deshaun is preaching. He wants to show to others. He's running after this world. And we're just his hands and his feet to let people know about the gospel. And I'm so encouraged by this message to go out, reach my world, touch touch the 99 touch the the one that left and even touch the 99 god i just pray in the name of jesus that you would give us a heart like yours help us to have a reckless love for those that are lost help us to have a heart for the lost help us to have a heart for those who do not know you that they may come to know you as we have hallelujah church thanks for stopping by we're now going to get into a time of tithing. We're going to give back to our church. So this is a very important time in our lives. You know, you can tithe your treasure, your talent, or your time. But right now, you know, the church does need your help when it comes to financial resources and such. Um, you know, every dollar that you guys pitch into the church, it goes a long way. You know, whether it's going back to Markham or it's going back to, you know, someone across the world that is in need. Every dollar that you put in count so take two minutes maybe now or later where you pray and you ask God like what what amount you should give and God will then eventually download the amount speak to you and put it into your heart and you give back to your church and you know what there is a tax receipt that you get so if you guys don't like paying taxes and you guys complain about paying taxes well you get a tax receipt for all the things that you give back here at next level so Hope you take the time today, you give back, and you pray to God. All right, guys. Until next week, we'll see you then. We're going to worship one more time. I'm sorry. We're going to worship one more time. Nadia, didn't want to cut you off there. I'm no sorry. <laughs> We're going to worship just, one more time, guys, and then I'll come back up one more time. We're just going to leave out on a high note. Uh, this is spontaneous, but do you guys know, Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth forever? Let's, let's do that. Let's do that. We worship the Lord. And that's what we want to see here. All nations and, and all tongues and all people come to know the Lord. Amen. Mm. Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth forever. Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth forever. Sing that again. Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth forever. We serve an awesome God. Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth forever. Oh, people from every nation and tongue, from generation to generation, we worship you.